0: Welcome back to Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast, episode 79. We have a very special guest on today. His name is Jeremy Martin. Now, if you're not aware, our Million Dollar Academy is now open for enrollment, and it's only open for a limited amount of time. It's actually open until January 23rd. So if you haven't signed up for it or are not aware of it, head over to MillionDollarLandscaper.com to find out more details. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Million Dollar Landscaper Podcast. Today we have on a very special guest. He is a very active person in the green industry. Uh, we have on Jeremy Martin. He is he's a very busy man. He is the owner of Will Gates Landscaping, the owner and creator of Dust Creator. Or I'm sorry, Dust Killer Tools, and he also teaches ICPI classes. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks for being on today. Thanks for having me. Uh, one of the things that really drew me to you was the creation of this Dust Killer tool series. I think it's a, a unique product uh, that many landscapers don't don't really use. And like you and I were talking a little bit earlier, I, I see a lot of dust clouds flying around. Um, I, I think this is a great product. Can you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Sure. So I start with, uh, by introduction on my background, and I'll go right into Dust Killer Tools. So I grew up in the green industry, and in 2005, Marbella and I co-founded Willow Gates Landscaping, starting out in just landscape work. And then 2006, we started going more into hardscape. And that's kind of grown over the years to a point now where we're about 75% hardscape. Nice. So back in about 2016, we started hearing mutterings about this new OSHA law. And at the time there's very little information out there, very little products out there control the dust. We started up doing some research. We were buying some attachments for ourselves. And in 2017, beginning of the year, we started putting these attachments to work, trying different vacuums connected to it, and ultimately everything failed. We were blowing (laughs) massive clouds of dust, and we might have captured half the dust, nowhere close to being enough to work safely. Sure. So basically, we didn't start with the intention of launching a manufacturing business. We want to protect our own crew. Mm -hmm. My mantra has always been, I do not want to make headlines for violations. I'm not going to be a <laughs> pester boy for OSHA. Uh, if I'm making headlines, I want to be for my accomplishments, for the work we do. I don't want to be that guy that, like in was once cited for 304000 I don't want to be that guy. Wow. So that's kind of how we got started. with what kind of tools, trying to meet the need for our own crew.
0: Um, I know like we would always just use water, and it was always just a, Huge mess is either mud or or just slime everywhere with them, the dust, you know, just turning into sludge or whatever you want to call it. It was always a mess. So I think this is a really cool product. It just, there's a lot of different hookups you have for like different saws, right?
1: We do. So we support primarily steel and Husqvarna uh, for the demo or handheld saws. Those are the most popular saw brands in the industry, So we see around the most. So, we have brackets attached to those solves. Then we have two different attachments. We have the extractor, which we'll use for cutting pavers in place. So, we'll lay our pavers out past the edge, mark that, and then come back and cut it from one end to the other. Uh, The other attachment is a shark. And again, it fits either the husk marna or the steel demo solves. And that we'll use for cutting wall block or for cutting individual pavers rather than, you know, coming from one end to the other. Nice. The nice. third attachment we have is a Dust Tiger, and that will fit a, usually a gas-powered table saw. Uh, on our own crew, we run a 20-inch gas-powered saw. Uh, we can cut through an 8-inch block in one pass. A table saw is pretty efficient, both from the cutting speed. It's a good bit faster than cutting with a handheld saw, and also in the accuracy. So I've been doing this, I've been in hardscaping for over a decade. <laughs> and even I myself can find a challenge. If you're doing a double-sided seating wall, and you're cutting that block to fit that curve, to cut perfectly straight on both sides, the whole way down, it can be tough. Yeah. And when you get a new guy in the crew, you know it can take a long time until he's really good at it. He cuts it, puts it up on the wall, it's, it's not straight. He pulls it off, cuts mm-hmm. it again, checks it, still off. He cuts it a third time, but now the time the, this time the block's too short. And he throws it away, starts all over. <laughs> that's kind of how it goes. That's just reality. It is. Uh, with a table saw, you're getting a straight cut the whole way through. And unless they mark it wrong, it's going to be perfect. So, both the cutting speed, it's definitely faster and also on the accuracy. So, we feel it's really boosts our efficiency by running the table saw. Nice. Interestingly enough, a table saw is much easier to capture the dust. We've done an exposure test on all these attachments. We can run a full eight hour shift on any of them, but I will tell you that table cell is by far the cleanest. Uh, the best test we saw, they couldn't actually even detect any.
0: That's wow. how little it was there. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> um, so, so what kind of makes your your product different from the few few items that are out there? What you know, what signifies yours is cleaner or better?
1: So there's three main selling points for the dust core tool setup. Uh, one, we're allowing you to use your existing solves. You do not need to go out and buy hmm. another saw. Uh, two, you the dust killer has 2000 CFM. So we can support three tools simultaneously. That's and awesome. the third <laughs> thing is that you're going to cut much faster than other systems on the market, uh, as well as cleaner because we are allowing you to work a full shift without a respirator. And that's a fairly important point that you need to consider. No one system of dust control is going to be perfect for everybody. That's a given. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be perfect for everybody. I don't claim to be. But there's a lot of stuff in the market that is, quote-unquote, OSHA compliant or OSHA approved. Mm-hmm. And technically it's true because they are, are what we call an engineering control. They're reducing the amount of dust that is flying into the air. In the fine print, you'll see it, that it'll tell you less than a four-hour shift, you need to wear a half-mask respirator. Greater than a four-hour shift, you need a full-face respirator. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, Scott, how much you've worn a respirator, how you <laughs> like that. It's terrible. That's <laughs> terrible. It's terrible on hot days. <laughs> uh, I've worn a half-mask respirator, and on a hot day, it's not much fun at all. Cold day, it's kind of sitting inside there, dripping. Mm-hmm. It's just not fun. A full-face respirator, nobody's going to survive a, a July day wearing that. <laughs> you're just not going to. No. No. If, then here, it's an ugly part. Again, they're not going to tell you this. you got to go digging to learn this. But if, you're, if you have a worker on your crew who's required to wear a respirator 30 or more times per year, then you fall into the medical surveillance part of this OSHA law. Hmm. Which means you send them for a chest exam. They're going to be taking X-rays, uh, lung function analysis, all done by NIOS certified physician. And you see a dollar signs climbing yeah. there. Yeah. I did, I, it's not something you want to fall in. I was not
0: aware of that. That's that's interesting.
1: And cutting wet. You know when I meet people at shows, you know we still meet a lot of guys say, "Hey, we're letting dust fly." Hmm. Uh, Some will tell me we're cutting wet. I'm like, it's a great place to start. I'm glad you're doing at least something. If nothing else for cutting wet, that's great. At least not letting it fly. Yeah. But a lot of people don't recognize or know that with a handheld saw, again like a steel husk mitering, you're limited to a four-hour shift cutting wet, or you need to wear a respirator. So again, we're going right back into that. Thirty more times per year we fall into yeah. medical surveillance. Now, a table saw they do allow you to cut wet for a full shift with no respirator.
0: Okay. It's very interesting. I didn't realize all these different factors in the OSHA law. Is there any other thing that goes along with the OSHA that landscapers should be aware of with the dust control?
1: How many hours do we have, Scott? (laughs) 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 There's a lot. There really is. When I first read through it, I tell people if you read through OSHA published this guide. It's called the Small Entity Compliance Guide. and You had to read it like three times. And then it starts making sense, kind of. I've read it many times. And the first couple of reads, it came over my head. And it just took a lot of studying to really make sense of it all. Sure. Okay. So we ended up creating a two hour uh, training class okay. where we'll go to, you know, Hardscape Dealer. And we had it pre approved by OSHA, by uh, NCMA and ICPI. Mm-hmm. So if you need continuing education credits, to renew your certifications, it's valid for that. It's pre-approved, uh, again, for two hours. And that's a combination of uh, a classroom presentation and also hands-on. But we can't do that many per year of those. And so we also launched an online version of that, which if you go to dustkiller.tools, our website, uh, right on our website, you can sign up for a seven-step action plan training.
0: Okay.
1: And that's free. Nice. You'll get immediate download, which will give you the outline. Uh, then each day you will get an email. It's about a five-minute read. and It'll give you the main points you need to comply with.
0: And we'll put the links to the to, uh, to your website on there so people can go download this. This is a, this is a great tool. I, I encourage everybody out there to uh, to read up on it and listen to what Jeremy has to say. It's, it's very important for us may I ask what made you take action on creating this? I know you said you wanted your, your guys to do it, but you know, to be safe. Most people, they think of these products. Like I've know, I thought a few different products out there and and just never took action. I may have did it for myself, but what made you take action on this? I think it's, it's really cool. I
1: would say several things. One, like I said earlier, if I'm making headlines, it's not going to be for furniture violation, (laughs) especially not something that can be easily prevented or dealt with. Uh, so that'd be the first thing. I didn't want to make headlines for that. The fines are pretty crippling. Yeah. So if you look at the starting point, it's 8,000 per person exposed to silica dust. So that means, let's say you got a four-man crew and you're letting the dust fly. Then that's 8,000 per worker on your crew. And across the road or right next door, they're working on a roof and they got five guys up in that roof and your dust is drifting over towards them. It's eight thousand per worker on their crew. Now we're at forty thousand for your the contractors across the street. So it gives you a picture. Uh, that's just a starting point. Then there's also fines for lack of training, uh, failure to provide a engineering control to, like your water or vac, water or vacuum to capture the dust. And it just keeps going on from there. Mm-hmm. And so those are kind of two things: one, don't make headlines for violations. Two, did not want to face those kind of fines because that. would be out of business yeah, okay. very quickly. Few people can afford those kinds of fines. And the record has been 300000 for that contractor in Virginia. And in 2018, there were several citations in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is not real <laughs> far from me. And those fines range from 25000 to 200000 Wow. Like, if even 25000 that makes any dust control system on the market look really, really cheap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And probably the final thing I would mention as a reason to do this is I care about my workers. Okay, um, we're a small company; we know each other pretty well. And I worked a decade in this industry, breathing that dust in. If I got a scan of my lungs, it probably wouldn't look okay. that great. And we would try to make sure that the dust is blowing away from us. Wear masks when we needed to if it's really heavy cutting, but at the end of the day of cutting, we wouldn't feel that great. You would know, you breathe a lot of dust in mm-hmm. that day.
0: Yeah, I, I when I'm out there too, like I said, I, you know, we see the dust flying. I'll see some landscapers; they'll just have on the like just the I don't know the paper mask rather than the respirators. Uh, to me, that's just shaking my head. That's just causing for you know more problems and and those I think about <laughs> those N95 or something they're considered or something like that. But they're they're terrible. Like what you need a system like this.
1: An N95 will actually work at certain Mm -hmm. levels. Uh, They have what they call a sign protection factor, which N95 would have a factor of 10. That means whatever your exposure levels are, it will reduce it by a factor Mm -hmm. of 10. But again, that's nowhere close to being enough. You would need a full-face respirator coming anywhere close to making it safe for an entire shift. Yeah. If you're not also using water or vacuum. Okay. So we look at the the have to factors. We've got to do this. You know, the law is requiring us to, we can't afford to find, you know, it makes more sense to invest in the equipment rather than losing our business. But then I tell people I like to move past that. You know, I mentioned I care about my crew. It's one of the reasons I do this. If you look at some of the biggest threats for our industry today, and I think consider Slica one of them, or psycho compliance. But if you look at the labor issues that have been ongoing for a number of years, Are only going to get worse, not better. If you get a young guy in your crew, 18, 20-year-old, whatever, and the first day in his job, you have him a saw, and he works in a cloud of dust all day, what's the impression he's going to have on that first day?
0: <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stay doing this. It's not that great. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I think we need to go and remember that if we want to attract people to our industry, and I'm not speaking just for hardscape, I'm talking about landscape too. We've got to go make it attractive to them. If they're coming out of high school, they can have in my area at least, if you got an eighteen year old interested in working, you can have to working, have has pick up any job in any industry around here. You know, the, the the job market's that tight. So we've got to do something to make it attractive to them. And make it fun, make it attractive. Uh, Safe, and dust control will definitely be a part of that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Now, kind of going back a little bit to your to your equipment, what kind of maintenance is involved in in this unit itself, like the dust killer machine? Like, how often do you have to clean it, and what do you have to do to maintain it?
1: Great question. So, it has the original dust killer has two filters. That's like a canister filter with a spinner on it we are working on developing a smaller one, about 1500 CFM, and it'll have a single filter. The original Dust Killer is really geared towards a three- to four-man crew, you know, running three pieces of equipment at once. The smaller unit will be geared more towards a two- to three-man crew running two tools rather than three. But the concept's the same on the other one. You would spin your filters several times a day. We typically, at the beginning of a shift or after a break, walk over to the machine, spin the filters, tap them lightly to shake down any dust that's caught up in the filter, and fill it up before I start up for the next shift. Mm -hmm. The filters are washable, and I would suggest washing them every one to two months. It's going to depend a lot on how Mm -hmm. much cutting you do. Some guys do pretty basic installations, don't have a lot of curves to cut, some may not cut that much. But I would recommend every one to two months washing it. If you don't, the filters will eventually clog. Uh, we've tried mm-hmm. this on our, own, <laughs> on our own crew. We made it about, I think, four and a half months well. until it clogged. And suddenly they're blowing dust everywhere. And we had to take them off and wash them, and then they're fine okay. again.
0: Well, that's a pretty good time, though, four and a half months. Like, <laughs> I would hope that people take care of it more than that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're well, kind of proving sure a point to see can. how long we can go. And uh, we learned. Nice. So we don't push it that far anymore. Like I said, they're washable. Okay. Uh, you just don't want to be running them with wet filters, because obviously dry dust, wet filters, not a good combination. We do have covers for the filters, so you can mm-hmm. operate in the rain. We've done it many times. Uh, we keep our unit in the trailer until we start cutting. Then it gets for another trailer, and it stays out in the elements the whole way through a job. It mm-hmm. might be sitting out there for you know three weeks at a time, depending kind on of job we're doing. And with the filter covers on it, it's pretty much safe. Mm-hmm.
0: Nice, I like that. That's pretty, that's really interesting. I didn't, I didn't, ever th- I didn't really honestly think about the covers being on there, but that's that's a good idea. You got some pretty cool names. What what made you come up with the names like Dust Tiger, Dust Shark? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good <laughs> question. Uh, when we first
1: started looking at the branding name, uh, Dust Killer is one of the things that came up, and I'm sure, we're trying to kill the dust. A couple of our hashtags are kill the dust, uh, keep on cutting say no to dust and to want to name these products we're kind of looking at something that kind of followed with that theme something a little bit unique something kind of aggressive you know capturing killing this dust to tiger shark both are kind sure. of predators uh,
0: that's yeah killing that <laughs> that's dust pretty cool that's pretty cool well do you have anything else you want to add on the osha or your equipment or anything I think it's a great product. I, I, like I said, I, I, I just feel like a lot of landscapers don't feel the need for it. I don't think they worry about OSHA coming out and you know issuing them a citation. I, I think ah, they're not going to get me. I think that's kind of a, I don't know, a myth going around. I don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't know. You see it more than I do. What, what's your thoughts on that?
1: I would say it's it's a myth people are believing. That's true. They're not going to get. They mm-hmm. believe they won't get caught, and they might be right because OSHA is not active in some areas. And right in my media area, you know, like the Eastern Pennsylvania, we're really not seeing aggressive enforcement mm-hmm. on that. You know, there's nobody locally. Plus one I've seen, I've heard of that was an hour away in Harrisburg. And locally, we, just, we, we don't hear of any enforcement. So I think that's some guys, simply believe they can let it fly and they're going to get caught. There's going three ways, probably OSHA is going to enforce us. One is, this is driving down the street. He sees a cloud of dust. He knows exactly what that is. Anybody associated with the industry knows what that cloud looks like. And he's going to pull over and start sighting yeah. you. Another way is that a fellow contractor driving down the street or the neighbor, somebody working nearby, is going to see you working and say, hey, this is not cool. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to call you in. There was one contractor at, at one of our classes locally, and that's what happened to him. He's working on a driveway project and the roofer across the street was getting all his dust. It's really windy. And everything that he was cutting was blowing over there. And the roofer just went through a silica class recently. He walked over and said, Listen, you're stopping now, or I'm gonna call you in. <laughs> so I think, you know, fellow contractors or neighbors are gonna be another way that's being enforced. And the final way I've heard of is enforcing this, and this is happening in New Jersey, again, not locally. You know, it's kind of like hunting for a needle in a haystack to find that guy laying a dust fly. You know, the chance of an ocean inspector driving past and seeing you are probably not super high. But in New Jersey, what they've done is they have chosen to go to the office. And that's really easy to find you because pull out your phone, type in hardscape or near me," gives you a list, you tap it, and it'll drive, take you right to the office. They'll walk in there and say, we want to see your uh, written control mm-hmm. plan. And if you can't produce it, then they're going to start writing out citations and it's going to get expensive.
0: Sure. Uh, it's, it's something that we need to, as landscapers need to be prepared for and start looking into if, if you haven't done anything already. And I think this is a great tool to start with. And I think people should definitely take advantage of your free training on all this. And uh, like I said, we'll put links in the show notes for this. And uh, we really appreciate you being on here today, Jeremy. And any, any final thoughts?
1: I'd probably add one more thing and we talk a lot on the kind of negative aspects of why we have to do this. A positive, again, would be make it more attractive to new workers. Another would be market yourself as a leader in your area. So if you go to willgateslandscaping.com, that is our website for our landscaping, hardscaping company, you'll see right at the top on the slider, it talks about silica. And if you're going to invest in silica, Dust control. I would say you should be marketing right. that, telling your clients. If you go out and do a sales call, let them know that you are going to make sure their property is mm-hmm. not covered in dust, and you won't be shut down mid-project. You might be a more expensive than your competitor, but you're going to be working safely, yeah. and their homes to be cleaner. So I think you can use it on the marketing side for you know, new jobs as
0: well as attracting new poised to your crew. yeah that's a good thought because i know we've had issues in the past where you know if they had to use a dry part it would blow dust you know up along the house you know in the windowsills and had to make sure the guys had to go back and clean stuff like we've actually cleaned the windows on people's houses it's another thing they wouldn't have to do with your product it's, it's, yeah, it is it's a mess it, is. <laughs> it
1: really it is, is. <laughs> so, i mean the record we have pulled off a of one job site was like 600 pounds. <laughs> Holy cow. You don't realize how much dust you're actually letting fly until you Holy capture cow. it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I never really thought
1: that was a big project, mind you, but that's a lot.
0: Sure. Sure. That's a, that's a lot to get on your, your client's house your neighbor's house and, and in your, your employees lungs. It's, it's crazy. Um, like, and I, I could see the benefits like I'm, I'm on our fire department locally and it's the same kind of same thought so you have to wear all this protection when you're going in fires it's it's the same same thing here it's just a different different material I guess so well Jeremy I appreciate you being on here today Um, and I'd like to maybe talk to you some further on down the line maybe about some uh, the icPI classes and, and try to get people involved in going in those because I think that's we need to continue education in this business and uh, you know like you said to go along with bringing on new New younger people, we need to educate them and, and show them what's out there. I don't think a lot of a lot of young people don't realize, uh, you know, what's what's out there for them in this landscape industry.
1: We could all do a lot better job at marketing that, you know, not just marketing, also being the better place to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mean, you can work outdoors. I mean, what other job can you have? You I mean, work outdoors. and you see this dramatic transformation from a disaster to a beautiful, basically, a backyard resort. Mm-hmm. You know, where else can you find that? <laughs> So I think we have a great industry of work and we just need to do a better job of letting young people know about it.
0: Absolutely. Well, sir, I appreciate you again. And uh, thank you and have a great day. Thanks, you too. Hey, everyone. Just want to thank you again for joining us today. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do ask you for one quick favor. Could you please head over to iTunes and leave us a review? A five-star review is even better, but it helps us get our rankings up and help us spread our message. If you're looking to take your landscape business from where it is to where you want it to be, Check out the Million Dollar Academy at the Inside the Academy, we feature our green growth method, which is our five step process to help you grow your landscape business. Now, the Academy is currently open for enrollment, but only be open until January 23rd at midnight. So sign up now.